So this Torah portion that we read this week is called Beshalach, and it's a really, really special portion. I mean, there's stuff in this Torah portion that preaches. Like, this Torah portion can really preach. I mean, we have the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. We have them coming through the Red Sea, as Paul showed us how it's written in our beautiful Torah. That's preachable. God's people coming through the water, the dry land, and God having the water overtake the enemies of the people of God. Man, that preaches. <laughs> Thank you. The children of God spontaneously going into song, that preaches. Water from the rock, that preaches. Manna from heaven, all this stuff preaches. But I'm not going to preach on any of that. I'm going to preach on the part that doesn't preach well. So at the end of this Torah portion, we run into a particular character that doesn't get much attention uh, in sermon circles. But to be honest, he's a very important character in the life of the believer and definitely an important character in the life of the Jewish people. And it's something that even to today, the Jewish people always has a little bit of an eye on. Very important character, and the name of that character is Amalek. Anybody ever hear of Amalek? All right. So we encounter Amalek in this Torah portion, and we're going to go through a little bit of who this Amalek is and why, it's, why was it important to the Jewish people, why it's important to the people of God, and why is it important to us as individual believers in the Messiah, individual people. And what we need to be look on the lookout for. So just a little bit about Amalek. Uh, we see Amalek for the first time in Genesis 36.2. Uh, this is when the genealogy of Esau, Esau, Esau was, was being listed. And it essentially says that uh, Timnah was a concubine of Esau's son Eliphaz. And she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. So, so Esau's son was named Eliphaz. And Eliphaz's son is Amalek. Which makes Amalek the grandson of Esau. So Amalek is Esau's grandson. In rabbinic tradition, the reason that Amalek was such a, an enemy of Israel is that he was avenging the loss of the blessing of his grandfather. That's, that's the Jewish custom on that. Uh, but we see Amalek for the first time in full in this Torah portion, and we can read it together. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. So let me just set the stage. All that preach-worthy stuff already happened. They came through the sea, the waters parted, they came to the other side, the waters went over the, their enemy, the Egyptians, and drowned them. They burst into song, they enter into the wilderness, and then they start kvetching, complaining. Kvetching is the Yiddish word for complaining. They're kvetching. Nobody knows what kvetching means, I could tell. Donna knows what kvetching means, because she's been in the messianic cycle for a little long time. And Lou, the Jew, knows what kvetching is, because us Jews know, not connection, kvetching. All right, end of sermon. So they were kvetching in the wilderness, and they didn't have enough water, they don't have food, but God does miracles, water out of the rock, all this stuff. All this happens, and then, and after they're complaining, we see this verse. So this is Exodus 17, uh, 8 and 9, starting, this is the end of our Torah portion. Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, 
So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill, this is Moses talking, with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. Who fought with Amalek? And Moses, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. See, that's the part of the Amalek story that really preaches. That's entered into many, many sermons about lifting up your hands and the battle is won. Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I, may, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it the Lord is my banner, Adonai Nisi, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Lador Vador, from generation to generation. So this is an intense fight. Um, Joshua was victorious over the Amalekites over Amalek, but God specifically instructed, make sure you don't forget this, write it down in a book, and I'm going to blot out the memory of Amalek. This was like really upset, this action of Amalek really upset the Lord. He said, I'm going to blot out his memory, which is kind of interesting. He says, write it in a book, and I'm going to blot out his memory. This is a puzzle that even rabbis have debated. And Moses built an altar, and then the Lord says, I will have, the Lord will have war with Amalek, from generation to generation, which means that the war is perpetual. Every generation, God, God is at war with Amalek. Even today, if it's from generation to generation, then the Lord is at war with Amalek even today. If it's from generation to generation. So there's something very, very interesting about this. This is not like the war with Canaanites or Edomites or any of these other ites, parasites, that... The Israel fought over the, over the time and the course of the Bible. This one in particular, God said, every generation, I'm going to be at war with Amalek. So it's something very interesting and important about this particular enemy. And we're going to dive into that. So to find out more about what really upset God about this battle with Amalek, or really upset God about Amalek, this, this nation of Amalek, um, we get more detail in Deuteronomy. Now, we're in the beginning of our Torah story, right? They just came out of Egypt. They just came through the sea. So it's the beginning of the story. Forty years later, at the end of Deuteronomy, when Moses is recapping everything and recapping the laws and setting them up for going into the land, he gives some more detail. So he recounts and he says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way when you came out, on the way when you came out of Egypt, and here's some more detail that we don't get in our Torah portion. How he confronted you on the way and attacked you, attacked you, I'm sorry, and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary. 
and he did not fear God. So what Amalek did was an unprovoked attack of the weakest among the Israelites. Like just an unprovoked shot. And didn't even go after the, the strong ones. He just went after the, the weak ones. The ones that were, that were trailing in the back. Maybe the older, the injured, or the very young. And this really, and he did not fear God. He had no fear of God. So, and then he continues in Deuteronomy. So it shall come about when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land. Which is after you go into the land, Israel, and you conquer your enemies... When when the Lord has given you rest from your surrounding enemies and the land which the Lord has given you as an inheritance to possess, you shall wipe out the mention of the name Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. So this enemies, you know, God is saying, once you get into the land and you're done taking over the land, now you got to kill Amalek. Like get rid of them altogether, like completely obliterate this memory. Don't even remember them. Okay, this is how important it was to God. So what does Amalek represent to the Jewish people? Amalek represents to the Jewish people like the embodiment of evil. In Christian circles, we might view, we view it as Satan. In Judaism, that spirit of Amalek is unredeemable evil, unredeemable anti-Semitism. Must be eradicated. Fuller eradication. We cannot have any of it. Once you're in the kingdom, it won't, it's got to go. Full on, get rid of it. It's unredeemable evil, unredeemable hatred, unredeemable anti-Semitism. This is how uh, Judaism views Amalek. Well, let's just continue through the Bible just to see where Amalek resurfaces. Resurfaces. Uh, so he resurfaces in 1 Samuel. Uh, now remember, now the, the Jews are already in the land. And now they're about to uh, in, appoint their first king. And the first king of Israel was Saul. Right? So Saul was given the instruction by the prophet Samuel, okay, it's time. It's time to get rid of Amalek. It's time. And this is the words of Samuel to Saul. So this is what the Lord of Armies says. I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel in that he obstructed him on the way while he was coming out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and completely destroy everything he has and do not spare him. So here's Samuel giving Saul the instructions, right, that was originally told to Moses. Like once you come into the land and you're settled, get rid of Amalek. Now it's about to take place through the hand of Saul. Are you with me? But Saul did something wrong. He captured Agog, the king of the Amalekites. Remember that name, Agog? Um... Captured the king of the Amalekites alive, completely destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep, the oxen, oxen, valuable animals, lambs, everything that was good. And were unwilling to destroy them completely. So Saul had the charge to fully get rid of Amalek, but he didn't do it. So the spirit of Amalek endured. Amalek endured. So, and this is why God was upset. This was the final straw that broke the camel of God's back, where God said, if that means anything, where God said, the kingdom is getting ripped away from you. That's it. And it went to David. Now, David also had some skirmishes with Amalek, but they endured. The next time we see Amalek is actually in the book of Esther. Now, remember, the king of Amalek is Agog, it says. So in Esther 3, King Ahasuerus honored Haman, the son of Amandata, the Agagite. So Haman... 
was an Amalekite. So Haman, the enemy of the Jews, it says, was from Amalek. So Amalek endured, and this is why it says the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Every generation, Amalek is there. Now, these days, like so many of the um, nations that existed at that time, we don't know who they are or anything like that. Everybody's become like a mixture of, 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 of nationalities, right? We don't, know who, we don't know who the actual Amalekites are, like who the actual descendants are, but it doesn't matter anymore. It, God has a war with Amalek from generation to generation. So this means, in the mind of Jews, this means that when anti-Semitism or anti-Israelism rises up, that's the spirit of Amalek. The spirit of Amalek. And I will say that when, when, when a spirit, not just of anti-Semitism, but a spirit against Christianity, against the people of God, because these days they're so linked, aren't they? Anti-Israelism and anti-Christianity are so linked. We see that same spirit that goes against both at the same time. They've almost been linked, right? And that spirit in the eyes of a Jew is the spirit of Amalek. And we need to be on the watch for that because we're commanded to never forget Never forget. In fact, many people think this is just this cannot be proven, but was Hitler an Amalekite? Like people think that. Some people think it must have been that because he was had such intense hatred of Jews that perhaps he was if not a physical descendant of Amalek, perhaps he certainly had the spirit, the spirit of Amalek, the spirit of Amalek within him where he wanted to destroy all Jews. And I find it very interesting that the saying or the mantra, I'm not sure how to, what the right word is, of Jewish people, and I know this growing up, the, the, the mantra, I'll use that term, the post-Holocaust mantra, when Jewish people think of the Holocaust, they say, never forget. Never forget. Never forget. In fact, this picture was taken from some formal Israel website, like a government website. And it's interesting that when it comes to Amalek, the command is you must not forget. Isn't that interesting? And this was not intentional. It's not like they were like, okay, it's Amalek, so let's, let's have our slogan, our post-Holocaust slogan be never forget. But it wound up being never forget, and the commandment about Amalek is never to forget it. So I think that's very interesting. So perhaps, maybe, there was a spirit of Amalek in Hitler, but I do want to say that the battle against Amalek is a spiritual one. It has to be a spiritual one. Like, we don't know who they are and things like that, and, and those types of things matter much less these days. But the, the, so, but the battle of Amalek is from generation to generation, and we're commanded to not forget this and to always, always wipe out the memory of Amalek. If that is a commandment, to always wipe out the memory of Amalek, and we don't know who they are, it must be a spiritual commandment. So I speak to those who perhaps have a, a, a gift of spiritual discernment to know when there's a spirit, a spirit of Amalek. At work, in the world, in the body, talking to us. So this is why it's important for us to understand who Amalek is today. And remember, it's spiritual. And how do we know the battle against Amalek is spiritual? Two things. Who fought against Amalek? Joshua. Moses went up on the hill to pray and to raise his hand. Joshua did the battle. Joshua represents Jesus. 
And we must understand this in, in, the Torah, in the Torah readings. Joshua is the one that comes after Moses. Joshua is the one who brings them into the promised land. Moses, as great as he is, who represents Torah, who represents law, could only bring them to the edge. And this is very important for everybody to understand. Moses, as great and humble as he is, and he teaches us Torah and teaches us the ways of God, cannot bring us over that, over that line. He comes to the edge and can only look. Joshua brings us through. That's why Joshua is an Old Testament Tanakh foreshadow of Yeshua, the Messiah. It's the Messiah that brings us into the promised land. Moses can bring us close, but not over. And it's very important to realize that Joshua represents Jesus. The one that comes after Moses. The one that actually brings us in. Not the one that can bring us close, but the one that can bring us in. So, so when we realize that Joshua represents Yeshua, it's Yeshua's battle. It's Yeshua's battle. It's a spiritual battle against Amalek. We must understand that we wage not war against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. It is a spiritual battle. It has nothing to do with a physical people or battling a physical people. Or eradicating a physical people. It's eradicating a spirit, an evil spirit. But the battle is Joshua's. Moses went up to pray. And this is the only battle where Moses took a step back up on the hill. And lifted up his hands to pray. And that's what, that's what won the battle. This is the only battle. Israel had various battles over the course of the, the story of the Torah. This is the only one where Moses... Went, just went away up on a hill and just raised his hands. And the battle took so long, he needed people to help him up. That means it's a spiritual battle. Otherwise, he would have been down there helping the people. It was a spiritual battle. So the fact that it is Joshua doing the fighting, Moses doing praying, shows you it's a spiritual battle against Amalek. So if it's from generation to generation is what it says, we need to be mindful of a spiritual battle against the spirit of Amalek. So let's take a look of what this spiritual Amalek is and how to defeat it. So we learn, as I said, from this, from this portion of Torah, number one, Yeshua does the fighting. Remember that. The battle is the Lord's. You do not need to fight this battle. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Spiritual battle is the Lord's battle, not your physical battle. That's number one. Number two, we do the praying. Joshua does the fighting. We do the praying. You got it? Joshua does the fighting. We do the praying. Yeah, take your pictures of this thing. This is good stuff. Joshua does the fighting. We do the praying. Do you understand that? This is the defeat of Amalek. Number three, get some prayer partners to help you. Like Moses did. Because the battle can take a while. There's only one reason that Moses needed people to raise his hands. It took a while. It wasn't a quick battle. It took time. He tired. He became weary of having his hands raised. He needed people to help him. So when you are struggling with a spirit of Amalek, or when you see a spirit of Amalek in the world... These are the three things we learn from the Torah of how to fight it. Number one, recognize it's not yours, it's Yeshua's. Number two, pray. Get away and pray. And number three, and this is so important because one of the big struggles that the body of Messiah has is we've forgotten how to reach out to people for help. We forgot. 
because we don't want to bother people. Well, I don't want to bother them. I'm drowning here. Well, they go reach out, ask somebody for prayer. Well, I don't want to bother. You know, you know I, I, sometimes they don't answer my texts, and, you know, they don't answer the phone. You know, I, I reach out to them on Facebook Messenger, and I don't get a response for a week. You know, it's, I don't want to bother them. You know, reach out. Reach out. Reach out. That's what we learn. Yeshua does the battle. You get up there to raise your hands and pray. That's your fight. And make sure you get some people to pray with you and lift you up and strengthen you as you're going through it. So critical. So critical. So critical. So what is the spirit of Amalek that we need to understand and look out for? Now, obviously, as I said, the spirit of Amalek at its root is anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, anti-Jew, anti-people of God. Does anybody see that in the world today? Big time? Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps it is a spirit of Amalek. So when you see that welling up in the world, think Amalek. And think, okay, Amalek, that means this. Okay? This is the battle. Number two. So I'm going to... Um, yeah, okay. So going back to the Deuteronomy verse, when did Amalek attack? It says when they were on the way. On the way. When they came out of Egypt. Where were they on the way to? Well, that was 40 years later. Where were they directly on the way to? They were on their way to Sinai. That's where they were going. The first stop out of Egypt was from Egypt to Sinai to receive the Torah. It was a spiritual journey they were on to reach their spiritual destiny. That was the way, the way that they were on. That was the path that they were on. They were on their way to an encounter with God, a powerful encounter with God to receive revelation with God and Amalek attacked them. So when do you think you're, when could you possibly be dealing with a spirit of Amalek? Have you ever been on a spiritual journey where you're reaching your destiny and you just get attacked by the enemy unprovoked. Think Amalek. And remember, it's Yeshua's battle. You pray and go to your friends and say, lift me up in this thing. You got it? So remember that. So unprovoked attack. Unprovoked attack. Now, I always have to say unprovoked is very, very important because sometimes, and I've mentioned this before, sometimes God allows Satan to attack us. That's a provoked attack because we provoked God with sin. And it's doing something wrong. And when we sin, God sometimes, he's, he's God of grace, but sometimes to correct us, he will allow Satan to mess with us. At least temporarily. To, to break us in this way and to break us of our sins so we repent. And then Satan has no more legal authority when we repent. That's a provoked attack. We provoked it. Amalek is an unprovoked attack. So if really in your spirit you did nothing, you're on your way to an encounter with God, and you get attacked, and really when you go in your quiet time, you don't see anything that you've done in your life that deserved it, think Amalek. Think a spirit of Amalek. I speak to you who may have a gift of discerning of spirits, as it says. Think Amalek. 
Number three, and this is not an exhaustive list at all, okay? So take your pictures, but go study it even more. So it says in this Torah portion, Exodus 7, verse 8, then Amalek came and fought with Israel. So that is when Amalek, that's the verse that says what it says. Amalek came and fought with Israel, right? What happened just before it? The verse, the wording right before this, right before this says, Exodus 17, 7, they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Right after that, then Amalek came and fought with Israel. This is why the rabbis think that a spirit of Amalek can get unleashed when there's doubt. When you doubt God. When you doubt that God is with you. Fear not, for God is with you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Yeshua said, I will be with you unto the end. Don't think because of the circumstance in your life that God is not with you. That's what the Israelites did in this passage. They said, is the, because of the challenge we're having, I question if the Lord is with me or not. Don't let circumstance influence your faith. Don't let your challenging circumstances influence your faith. God is with you. God is with you. So if you are experiencing doubt... I don't know if God loves me anymore. I don't know if God is walking with me anymore. I look at the challenges in my life and I don't, why would God allow me to go through this difficult thing? If you're going through that, it could invoke Amalek, spirit of Amalek. So in that case, it's Yeshua's battle. Just pray and tell your friends to lift you up. Got it? And the last one I'll go through, and again, this is absolutely not an exhaustive list. The Hebrew word Amalek itself. In it, it has a root, Malek, which actually means to divide. Is there a spirit of division in the world? Is there, about all the things that are happening, is there a division in the body? I think there's a worldwide spirit of division. I believe that is the Amalekite spirit. That is over the body when there is division. It was said how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There's a couple of um, verses from the New Testament. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions. Unity in the body is so important to God. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is deviated from what is right and is sinning. So if there is a spirit of division... If in, if in your head, you feel like dividing from the body, if the spirit of division that's in the world, the virus of division that's in the world, makes you want to come out of the body, say, I'm not going to be with them anymore. I'm going to divide from them. I'm going to separate or sever from them. Think Amalek. Think, oh, a spirit of Amalek could be messing with me. And in that case, give the battle to the Lord and pray and confess it to your friends. Bringing your friends is confession. 
So important to do that. So important to do that. So I think that's pretty much the end of my message. So what do we learn? The battle is Josh, Joshua does the battle, not you. You go up and to pray. And yes, and get some prayer partners to help you.